What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of What's Your ETA? I'm your co-host, Megan Hester. And I'm your co-host, Vivian Summers. We're here to take you behind the scenes of the hair and makeup industry. We have the Rick Pacino, celebrity hairstylist. He's been in this game for quite a long time. And if you want to learn a few things about salon, high fashion, editorial, the 90s, Victoria's Secret yes. models, tell us about it, yes. Rick. Where where do we go? Where do you want to start? I want to know everything. Viv, where do you want to start? Because you guys have something in common. Um, I read that you're from Sydney. I'm from Sydney, from the Northern Beaches, from Avalon. Where about? Avalon, Bill Gola Plateau, up on the Northern Beaches. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, I'm from West Penn. I'm from West, I'm born in Westride and lived most of my life in Australia in West Penn Hills. Well, I went to school at Penn Hills. I went to Mount St. Benedict's in Penn Hills because <laughs> I grew up in Castle Hill. I was born and raised in Castle Hill. Oh, you were up there. That's wild. I lived on 53 Castle Hill Road, if I remember my family. I house. grew up on Old Castle Hill Road. That's crazy. They were neighbors. Opposite the Koala Park. Oh, my God. Godfather, that's crazy. That's literally two minutes from my home. You guys probably saw yep. one another as as that's like young so youngsters much. and didn't yep. even know it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I recognized you. <laughs> like, oh oh yeah, from, you. from the koala park. I mean, yeah, I did go there a couple up. of times when I was young. I knew I recognized you from I, West Penny Hills. So <laughs> I was definitely a West Penny Hills girl, <laughs> Penno Pub. But no, so yeah, you know, obviously growing up over there, it was. One of my dreams was my dream to come over here as a makeup artist. And you're uh, on that list of inspirational people that really helped me kind of on that journey. Because, you you know, I only got here six years ago and it took me quite some years to get here. Oh, you're a, you're a newbie in New York. I'm a, I'm a newbie. Six I'm a newbie years. in L.A. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, L.A. I flew over with my dog by myself in my 50s. I I, I did something really crazy. I just Good must have you. been what they That's call great. a midlife crisis but you know it's it it's a good so fun. Change okay. it up. i met megan look at up. this and look yeah. what we are today so but it's we, we were looking at your stuff and you come from a lineage of hairstylists oh. is that right yes yes i have two brothers i had two brothers hairdressers one of them was very that's the reason why i'm in new york actually one of them was uh started in Australia, obviously, and then traveled and went to London. And he was, became the creative director, one of the creative directors of Sassoon's. And then they brought him to New That's York big. to open up Vidal Sassoon's back in the seventies and was the, one of the people there that, that, you know, was the opening salon, what creative team for Vidal Sassoon. And then at that point met his partner, um, business partner, Richard Bukeri. Bukeri, I know too. I know his name. Yeah, Pepino Bukeri was a very, very famous salon back in the 70s, early 80s. That's so um, wild. Yeah, so I kind of followed his footsteps. My brother in Australia was also a hairdresser. That was the one, we was, I was the youngest of five. Yeah. And my brother, just older than me, uh, was also a hairstylist and had a salon in Australia. And that's where I started my career, actually working. I never wanted to be a hairdresser. It was the last thing I wanted to be as a hairdresser, especially with two hairdressers in the family. It was like the yeah. last thing I wanted. So my brother, uh, anyway, I was helping him in the salon on Thursday nights, being at school and everything, and really uh, 
thought it was fun. And you're really good at it, probably. <laughs> well, lots of cute girls in the salon Thursday night. Like I was the still sexy at school. Ladies walking. I was, yeah. I gotta Where get into it? this. Where was the salon? In West Drive. Oh, called my Slip gosh. Joint. Wow. Called Slip Joint, believe it or not. Yeah. So I started there, I did my apprenticeship there, and then we moved to West Pennant Hills, and then I started going into the city, and I worked for Barry Livingston. Oh, yes. Yes, I know who yes. that is, too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, Barry Livingston was a, is a, a mentor. Actually, I just spoke to him the other night. He called. He's a very good friend of mine, mentor of mine. He's an Australian hairdresser, yeah. owned salons in Australia, and I worked for him. He was one of the biggest names in Sydney at oh, that yeah. time in the late Massive. 70s. So I went and worked... <laughs> Yeah, so I worked there and I finished my apprenticeship there and from there that's when I left and started traveling. Went to Europe and traveled around Europe a little bit and then I ended up back in London for two years. Did you have a salon in London? Did you guys have a salon in London? No. No, no, no. I just worked for someone else. It was called Shumi, S-C-H-U-M-I. It was one of the biggest salons in London doing editorial work uh, at the time that was doing salon and editorial work and yeah. that's what I wanted to do. So... I sort of trained there for a bit, and then I did a trip to New York to visit my brother for the first time in 1980, I think it was, and just like... Was, Fell in love. You know, that, that was, was it. it. That was a wrap. He was like, I'm a New Yorker. But then you also <laughs> went to Miami, didn't you? You went to Miami I had to, But I had to go back to London to oh. finish my, my, my job there, and then I had a ticket back to Australia. But once I went back to Australia in, I think it was... 81, I couldn't stand it after six weeks. I was like, had to get out. So yeah. I, I basically worked back in Australia for another six months to raise money to, to then fly to New York and, and work with my brother, which was quite challenging. Did, you did, did do some time in Miami, didn't you, as well? Yes, like that was club? much later. That oh, was right. in uh, 2001, 2002, oh, okay. actually. 2001. Yeah, that was, I, I arrived in New York in 82. So That's when I, had, I was born. That was a good year. It was a great year. It was a great year. It was a great a year. Good time to, a good time to start coming to New York and living in New York. It was a crazy time. When I wanted to get you on here, I was like, who is a big hairstylist from that, like that, that era? Yes! Yeah, that that era. time where it was the money and it was the fabulousness and it was, yeah. we're never going to have that error back. We're never no, going to have no. that back. What no, is that like no. for you to like to walk into as a young hairstylist? What was that? It was probably the most exciting time of my life, honestly. Um, my brother's salon was one of the biggest salons in New York at the time. Had some of the biggest people working there, doing the biggest editorial, so having cool. some of the most incredible clientele coming in and out of the salon. And it was known for great work, great haircuts, but also the energy of the salon was really uh, creative. It was right next to the same, on 55th Street, right next to this part of the St. Regis, but next door. So it was like a small brownstone, but had two floors of it. Going into my brother's successful salon already as a younger brother was quite challenging from my and brother. Pressure. From, yeah. from pressure yeah. and having to be accepted. And, and step out be... on your own with your own skill. That's like a lot. Right. Yeah. You don't want to be in the right. shadow of your brother. I get that. Right. And you worked with him for a long time, correct? You were with I worked him with him for, for a, a long time, yeah. For yeah. a good, good part of the, that, those years. And, uh, and it was very, um, you know, it was very exciting, very challenging, very demanding. My brother was a pain in the ass. He was a bitch to me. You know, all, all the gay boys, like, were very nice to me, but he would take me out. He would take me to all the crazy clubs, the, the most craziest club that you can imagine that to try to 
freaked me out. This shock you. Like, the shock value shock. of from I wanted to shock brother. Value. I was like, bring it on. I'm cool. Bring Yay, it on. So that's so good. I lived it. And then, you know, I was I was out and about. So then I would just then start going to the street clubs afterwards. I'd go, experience it. Everyone's looking for me to be crazy shocked and like, no. And you were like, so, whatever, I'm it, good. You yeah, were bomb-proof by then. Your brother bomb-proofed you. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, you know, so the, the nightlife and the experience of New York at the time was just beyond. <laughs> I mean, you can't compare. What were, the, what were the, the, those clubs in New York that were really popular at that time? Like The church one, what was the... Yeah, that was Limelight. Limelight. Was, again, uh, 10 years later. I went to the opening of Limelight. I went to the opening of... Of uh, area was the big one. That was Dance Danceteria. Yes. Um, yes. Danceteria, Limelight. They were my favorites, actually. Area was a little bit later, but yep. that was a, a new way of doing it. I mean, Studio 54 was at the end of it, but that's I did the experience one. That's it. the one. You did? Studio 54. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I did. Yeah. I went when I went to Studio 54 when I came from London the first time, and I was there pretty much every night, I think. That was at its prime. But then a year and a half later, it, it was, was on the way done. Out. Yeah, because disco and out. everything, the yeah. music changed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so true. then the Mud Club was the Mud Club was a big one. Yeah, okay. it was a it's a punk club downtown, and my brother used to and his friends would dress me up in order to get in. That's amazing. Because you know it was all about the line. Yeah, yeah. and if you would look to a certain part, they would bring you in. That's how New York City was. Exactly. If you looked the part, you would be you would chosen. Get in. You know, if you didn't, you and, wouldn't go yeah. in at all. <laughs> and I was very, I was very experienced of clubs because my also from Australia, I was out a lot, so I knew how the attitude was. But yeah. the, the the look needed to be right. So he would put, you know, big Dame Ender glasses on me, put like a fancy glittery jacket and this. all this stuff, and I'd get out of the cab and I'd look at the guy and he's like, bang, straight away, right in. So I was set up very nicely to go out. I feel like with your career, you came to New York City and like obviously you were working with your brother and stuff like that, but you made your path very quickly by yourself to set yourself aside. How did that happen, like the trajectory of, okay, I'm in the salon with my brother, I'm working with him and all that stuff. What was your first moment where you actually were like, I'm Rick Papino, this is my work, and that was like that big moment? Well, I was fortunate enough through him to be represented by Brian Bantry. Brian Bantry. Isn't that yeah. what Billy B, Billy B was in that? Yeah. Is yeah. Brian Bantry still around? He is, but it's not like it. It's not like it there. used to be. Yeah. yeah. yeah he was like the number one agent in For New fashion York. and editorial, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Photography he had Patrick DeMalchilier, he had Alex Chatelain, he had like oh all God. the big name, all the big name uh, hair and makeup and a couple of photographers. So it was, I, I was lucky enough to be accepted by him. So he would send me out to test me out on a couple of shoots here and there as I was in the salon. I knew how to cut hair well. I, that's yeah. what I do best. That's your so niche. I like was, that's people yeah. come to Rick for yeah. the haircut, the Rick haircut. haircut. Yeah. 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 So I, I was trained very well in Australia and also in London when I went there. I had my, my technique went from one thing to another. So I mixed it together. So my technique in cutting hair was very good. Um, so, but you know, the creative side of it, um, was some another step up in going on doing editorial work for magazines or different shoots. So um, and I started doing it in London. So I had a bit of a portfolio in London while, yeah. while I was there. The big book, the Big Twelve, which no one does anymore. The big. That's I right. have a book too. I yeah. have a book. Yeah. I went to House of yeah. Portfolios, got my book. Yeah. 
And then yeah. we don't use them yeah. anymore. House of Portfolios, I know. House of Portfolios. Yeah, we don't yeah. even use those books anymore. No. I think I have it in storage somewhere. Yeah. Else. Well, it's keep so it because cool. it's, a, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. But so, like, with everything said, you come in out here and stuff and editorial. With the shift of everything with Instagram and all that stuff, I always try to explain to people how different it was with editorial because editorial I feel like I, I miss that section I miss it I miss everything about it yeah um, well let, let me take a step back first before you go there okay. I do want to say that in the early 80s when I arrived in New York in my brother's salon it was the most fun time craziest time but at the same time scary all my colleagues were dying yeah of AIDS it was the epidemic of AIDS. The eighties in New York City, that's that's when AIDS was, was big. Key. It was big. And then the war on crack and all that stuff yeah, started coming yeah. in too. Yeah. Yeah. And all the creative the creative people, hair, makeup artists, people that Kevin were working day to day. Kevin Aquan, like yeah. Yeah, one of them, uh, were all dying and yeah. dying around me. And it was a very, very sad time. And, you know, my brother eventually also had AIDS and died 13 years oh later. Oh my God, I didn't know I'm that. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's, you know, he, he lasted a long time, but his salon was, you know, key, but then over the years of all these friends and colleagues dying, oh, man. it really pulled, pulled a toll on him. So eventually, um, you know, the salon closed and I went on to other things is what how, how that story went. You know what that's I mean? That's so tough, man. Like, I can't mm. imagine being, because... AIDS was unheard of. That was a death sentence. Oh, it was a it death was, sentence. It, it, I mean, Ever. even back in the 80s, like I used to hang out in Oxford Street and all the yeah. clubs there, and most of my yeah, friends, yeah. you know, I worked in hospitality while I was training as a makeup artist, and I lost yeah. so many of my friends as well. Yeah. It really was a death sentence. Yeah, like Alexander McQueen, like everyone, it, it was like fashion, like everyone in that era, like it was hit. But you see the, you know, you saw the, um, the destruction of someone's, Body face yeah. and body and it was really really Rapid. horrible and fast and and happened quickly and and it was really a very very sad difficult time being in new york at that time and being you know a creative person because you knew all that's all we knew is creative people around us so they were like dropping off very quickly um but that said you know it's sort of uh you got through it and then things changed. and then like you said the whole crack thing was crazy and then you know times changed so people didn't go out as much at that time, after they that. were scared. People they were scared. Just, yeah, they were scared. It, the whole the whole lifestyle was different. You know, sexual relations were not as you know uh, open as what it, it was in the early eighties and back in those days, doing drugs and having sex and having partying and blah blah blah. So it changed the culture of New York, and that's when it changed. So that's when you saw the big change. Yeah, and that's when the city also then you know. Giuliani came in. Giuliani and like came, the, shipped all the homeless out. He was like, "Let's get this out," and that's cleaned yeah. it up. And you know, it was like it became like a little bit of a la la land afterwards. That's what it did look like for a little bit. In what way was it like a la la land? Like, how did it affect the industry? I know that you were saying like socially everything changed. Well, people didn't go out as much. He cracked down on clubs. He cracked down on on noise. He cracked down in front. Yeah, he of had clubs. noise violations at that time. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. you couldn't really. It, you know, the nightlife changed. Giuliani changed came in and like changed everything. It was like yeah. he hit was like it his for the mouth. better overall. Yeah. Was it was it a was it or was it too some things kind of much of a dictation? It, some things were too much. He changed the city that he made the city safe. Um so but it was he took great. some he of the soul out. out of it. 
he took some of the soul out. That's why I kind yeah. of like the, it's a little bit of an edge to New York now after the pandemic. It's a little bit too much, a little too dangerous. Um, it's a little too dirty. It's, it's like the wild, too, wild west right now. It's I a hear. little bit the wild, wild west. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, but Juliana made it into a, a beautiful city to walk around safe. You can get around from here to there. You never feel, actually, I actually would say New York is probably one of the most safest cities in the world. Not now. No, when then. Giuliani was in there. Yeah, well, I mean, not even with Giuliani, even just before the pandemic. Yeah, before COVID, pre-COVID. But I've noticed that even here in LA. You've you got to be careful in LA. It's 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 really edgy. And, and the fact that there aren't many people walking around is even more scary. New York City, you have people everywhere. Yeah, there's so people. You have, so there's people around. In LA, people don't freaking walk. I know. Yeah. I'm like, as, as far as culture, everything's going to always shift. Yeah. Um, but with with hair and stuff, like I want to go back on that topic. Mm-hmm. Recently, I've been watching that show. Is it on Netflix or Hulu? It's about the models, um, all of it. It's Netflix. Is it Netflix? I haven't seen it yet. I watched it purposely because we were doing the interview with you. And I was like, yeah. holy, like, this is crazy, like, that he worked with all of these people. Yeah. Like, you literally worked with Naomi Campbell, like, all those people, like, yeah. Christy Turlington, Her, Cindy Crawford, yeah. Cindy Crawford, yeah. Christensen. At prime. When they were 17. At their prime of modeling. Naomi, Linda Naomi's, Evangelista. Yeah. Well, I wasn't so close to her, but Gail Elliott uh, and Naomi were part, I mean, we would hang out. They would come to my house, would hang out. Naomi was like 17 years old, wow. just got off the boat. Gail was well, friend of mine, but, you know, all that crew there. Christy, Christy was an it is to this day, in my opinion, the most beautiful, stunning woman. Perfect. I don't know if you've ever worked with, with her. No. Um, many, many years ago, I did do her makeup. To work yes. with her, you'd look at, you know, you'd be stunning. doing her hair this close, and you'd look at her face, her eyes, her mouth, everything. And she was so sweet, and she would just smile at you just because of kindness. And you were like, oh, my God. She's, she's an angel. really quite, she is definitely the most beautiful model supermodel I, in my opinion ever and, it, and like even without wow. makeup like on this series she's oh she has no makeup on it she looks gorgeous she looks now perfect. that's what i'm saying and yeah. she has this almost yeah. angelic presence about her she reminds her me of audrey hepburn her. in a way yeah. like that yeah. that old yeah. hollywood that that's what uh-huh. she reminds me of audrey yeah. hepburn i bumped into her about four months ago um and we chatted for five minutes and she's just as lovely as ever she's just quite just a very down to earth down to earth and you know lovely person i gotta ask the question how did you how did you nab heidi heidi was a hot commodity especially back then how did that happen Were not back then not she back then not back then get out of here her. you made her I, a hot commodity rick i'm not gonna go down that road okay. I, she was a young working model, successful, uh, doing catalogs. Because Victoria's Secret didn't start until like after you guys were together, correct? Yeah. 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 So that whole era of the angels, did you ever do any of those runway shows? Did you work those runway shows or? I didn't really do any of the runway shows. I worked with Victoria's Secret on fashion shoots and what have you, but uh, being the partner of Heidi was not in their DNA to have the part was of like working on shoots. It was not a good idea. I get yeah, it. Jermaine and I can't, Jermaine and I don't work together. And yeah. I, like, I totally get all of that. Yeah. Understood. So, you know, so there was not so much on my end, but it was on Victoria's Secret's end, which, you know, I, I respected as, you know, smart. 
Yeah. Uh, they were all about the marketing and focusing on the girls and being sexy and sexy. And husband there is kind of not sexy. No. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> it's like right. get the, I know he's a great hairstylist, but get him out of here. <laughs> like, right. Right. Oh man, that I sucks. Mean, I did. I did a hair a bunch of times, of course, but you know, for the show and for, for some of the shoots, but but not like on the way that you know you're yeah. talking about. It wasn't like that. It was just me personally. I have, I have to ask a little bit about Naomi Campbell because. To me, she shaped an era. She's still shaping the era. She still looks incredibly, like, God. Incredible. Like, it's Incredible. the same. Literally. I think she looks the better same. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I agree with you I on that, Megan. I think she's got better looking as, as, she, she, as, she as she's matured. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, but gr- growing up, and these were my icons, um, you know, I always thought she had a little edge going on. And, you know, you said that she used to hang out with you. I just, like... To me, she was such a game changer. She would have had to have had some edge to make it at that time. She was a Londoner. And she was the only black model at the time, right? She was super young. And, I mean, I didn't hang out with her all the time, but we hung out a bunch of times when she first came because I was friends with some friends of hers. And, um, you know, and I used to work with her on times in different shows and what have you. Her look, her body, everything was a game changer in the business. And she was super nice and she was young and she was fun and she had a, had a personality and she was very naive back then, extremely naive coming. So she was all about her group of friends, like Gail Elliott was one of her closest friends and, um, and that crew. And then the models, we all became friends, you know, that time they were working together, doing different jobs. So, you know, she had a, she created her own little world around her, Her which is what, which is what we do. Yeah. Yeah, Especially at that age, you know, you want. You know they're 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 um, you know beautiful young girls. They're gonna get you know hit on all the time. So it was more about you know being being protected with their group and and yeah. her being very young. I mean she literally was off the boat when I kind of that that at that period I'm talking about. So you were privy to watch all of their careers and your career obviously was going blowing up at the same time too. Yeah, like. well their, their their career was like you know explosive. My career was a slow growth Um, and I was not that editorial hairdresser that uh, there are other hairdressers that are much more creative in hair than I am I was a little more sexier hair more natural more haircuts more more styling but not doing that major editorial avant-garde kind of avant-garde kind of hair yeah there were other hairdressers that were much more creative than me on that like Johnny LaBoy or someone like that. You know, Harry King, Bob Fink. A lot of these people were like major stylists then. And then you've got your DDAs and you have your people from Paris. And, you know, Garen is still a big name in the business and still do one of the most creative hairdressers. And Orbe was also one of the coolest Orbe, creative Orbe, I love Orbe products. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, there were a different group of people there. You right now have two salons or just one salon style? I don't have any salons. I thought you had you two. You also do these pop-ups. You oh. do the pop-ups. That's what I saw, the pop-up. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they look fantastic. Yeah. So it's kind of like a collaboration of creatives yeah. together. I, I had salons. Uh, I had my salon. My first salon was in, in Miami at the Shore Club. That's which what was, it is. And then you had one on the east a, side. Yeah, which was a, an Ian Schrager hotel that opened up back in 2002 and was like the hottest hotel in Miami and it was amazing. And I had, you know, I opened my small salon there and then... I had the opportunity to actually ex- put my products in there. Oh, so wow. the products were out through the whole rooms 
the Pepino brand. That's why I created the Pepino brand was there. And then I, uh, from there, I opened up a very small temporary salon at the Bryant Park Hotel, which was the same owners of the Shore Club. So I had a space there, and then I went down to That's Nolita. That's prime real estate. Yeah, my last salon was in Nolita in, in, in the city, and I uh, had that for like nine years. Then the business changed over the years. The business changed, the, the culture changed, the staff changed. I mean, you were talking about, you know, what's happening today with Instagram and yeah. all that stuff. I'm what's curious of on. this. As a person with your longevity of how long you've been doing this, what what do you think is happening with the culture of it all? Unfortunately, I didn't grow up. I didn't. I mean, my career was not based around Instagram whatsoever. Yeah. Neither, was neither. I, neither was and mine. And I, I never took photos. I never took images. Of, it was actually you know, frowned upon doing. to take photos. I, I would like. never yes. take a photo with a celebrity. That's what I mean. Never. Like, I, whenever I see people taking photos, I'm like, this is so weird. Like, we we come from a behind the scenes. We're not supposed to be doing that. So I That's think it's right. so odd. It was very very not allowed and, and not cool and the, you may not get booked again because of taking a picture you won't get booked again you wouldn't get right. booked again that's why right. the culture is so weird to me that we've been in this place of like is there ever going to be an old hollywood back i i don't know who knows but it's it's taken over and instagram and uh all the social media aspect of it it's changed the business on a quality level on a standard level the business was you had to prove yourself and be you know capable of doing hair and it took a long time to build that career now if you're good and if you have somewhat of a following and you are a talent you or you're a creative you can build your career based around your social media so and what wild. you're putting out and how you talk and how you film and how you shoot and the opportunities you get and blah 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 and so a lot of i, I look at some of these uh really successful young hair and makeup artists uh, and people in the business. And they're, I mean, they're massive now and because they were good at social media and that's what it is. And they're, really, and they're very talented at that. So and it wasn't really, and yes, they're quite good at their craft, uh, but they're not amazing. Yeah. Like you had that. to be. I just call it the fast food, the fast food of creatives. It's, you know, it's the in and out, it's the in and out yeah. of yeah, creatives yeah. and it's well, you know it's a lot of lighting especially with the makeup side of it rick yeah. it's you know and a lot of it, filters it's a lot of filters a lot of filters oh, yeah. and they yeah. don't have to understand how to deal with celebrities and how to deal with the, the whole culture on set these instagram makeup and hair people are, are getting hired and then they have to call one of us in because they realize they don't know how to be on set. They don't know. And right. we, we discuss this all right. the time with each uh, guest we have because they all feel right. the same way. It's a yeah. universal thing that we're all like, yeah. when is this going to end? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if it's ever going to end. I think it's going to get broader. I think it'll get a little more private. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for old Hollywood. Yeah, I think the privacy aspect will come back. But right now, I mean, you look at celebrities, you look at everyone, they're like promoting their hairdresser. The which is weird. Artist, it's which weird. Is, which unheard is of. Really unheard of. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, they, so they get gain instant success and credibility because you have a few celebrities that are endorsing them. Um, their, their ability to do their craft, like I said, I think is limited. I think over yeah. time they probably get better and better. But also, I think a lot of the hair, that, or the hair, I'm talking hair now, that is um, quite natural. So, you know, you're not getting a lot of the creativeness in it. And also just being in the studio, like you say, you know, there's a, you have to know how to handle yourself. You have to know how to, who to listen to. Etiquette. 
There's a Anything. nature of it. Exactly. There's a nature yes. of it that we've all That's worked right. our butts off for that That's I right. feel like it's missing. People are coming in, they're like, yeah. no, I want it now. Well, we're right, not right. just creatives. We have to run a business. We're our own business. Our first job could be our last job. Our 500th job could be our last job because every yeah. job is like your first job. You know, we're right. only as good as we are on set for that particular right. day. And, you know, the kids that I've worked with, I, I just really try to bring it home to them. It's not just trying to get a good 50s makeup right. It's the whole, you know, ethos. It's, you know. You have to you have to know who to listen to. I mean, it depends on if you're doing editorial. There's different editorial. Different mediums. You use cat, catalog or catalog, and then there's advertising. Yeah. So, you know, in editorial, you can get more creative and do what you think best, and you can, you know, work out a style or you can work out something and, and for the picture, and you know the photographer, and you work with them, and you create the best image out of it. Catalog, it's about showing the clothes. And it's right? for the client. You're there it's for the for client. It's for the client. So yeah. you're there, yeah, but you're there, you know, you, you don't really care so much about catalog back in those days. Uh, it was more about just getting paid for the day and whatever. It was like doing the right hair. Advertising is another level because you're paying a lot, you paid a lot of money. So you had a lot of personalities there. You had a, a client, art director, photographer, and model. And if you're working with a big model or a big celeb, then they have a say. They have in input. What, yeah. They have a lot of input. So yes. who, do, who do you listen to as the hairdresser because you're the lowest of the tier, honestly? How do you manage to, who do you listen you have to be very diplomatic and you have to listen to the client. They are the one paying for you. Okay. Uh, the photographer is also working with the client. So you have to work with them as a team and try to create the look and give them what they want. The model, on the, on the other hand, if I had a problem with model in that scenario, I would like, you have to deal with the client. I'm being paid for this. It's not yeah, I'm you. being paid to do so, this. It's for the actor. Yeah. yeah. But, but that said... You don't want to piss off a model because they can make your life freaking hell. Probably most of my work in Australia was commercials. I did a lot, a lot of commercials. And you would, like, as you would know, it's you've got everyone sitting in front of you on set and sometimes they're in disagreement with each yeah. other. The client yeah. disagrees with the photographer right. and the director. Right. And you might have to go back and redo everything again. Oh, you've done and, it, like, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, so I get that. And I think that that is where it falls short with all the social media Absolutely. I also think it's affected the financial side. Well, of that's it what we, well. I wanted to talk about too. Is rates wise? Do you see a? Do, I see a huge decrease of, like, oh, yeah. what it was for, per day to now, and I think I think it's the artists doing that to us. I think we as a community are not keeping our rates where they should be because we're afraid we won't work again. And well, that's that's definitely it. But there's more people now doing what you're doing. So more people because, in the pockets. So there's more people that will take a lower rate because they have uh, 10,000 more Instagram followers than you. And yeah. they're happy to go with it because the clients are not just looking at your talent. They're looking at who your, your, your followers now as well. They ask you for how many followers? No, no, they don't, don't know. They just look. They just look yeah, around. Yeah, they do. Right? I don't do that much editorial and, and freelance work. I, I'm focusing on my pop-ups. So going back to the pop-ups, you want yeah, to Yeah, we want to hear about the pop-ups. Um, you know, I realized that a lot of people were, I didn't need a salon anymore. It's the staff were, you know, everyone has their own phone. So clients have their information. Back in the day, you were never allowed to give any of your personal information to a client yes. because it came to the salon to, to do the service. Now, obviously, in the last 20 years, people have phones, so they're giving the numbers out. They can find you on Instagram. They can reach out to you. They can do more private stuff um, at home. 
uh, or where they go. If they leave a salon, they go somewhere else. They take all their clients with you. So as a business owner, you got a big ass expenses on the end, and you've got more. You've got more staff that are that are higher commission because they think they're superstars now. So all that stuff was like it wasn't. It's not worth it's it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So I had a friend while I was still at my salon from Mexico, a friend and a client of mine. It's like, Rick, you have to come to Mexico. You have to come to Mexico. I've got all these girls there. I've got all these girls there. They want haircuts. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, a year and a half later, I decided to go. And I went to Monterey, Mexico, which is a, a city in the mountains, uh, north north Mexico. And one of the most chicest cities in Mexico. Oh, wow. The most international, the most wealthiest women and families and people from all over the world, people flying in and out. It's a very, in, very cosmopolitan city. Um, very family cosmopolitan city, very key word. The women are the most stunning women I've ever seen in my life. All different flavors, all different skin tones, colors, whatever. They're from everywhere, but very international and a lot of money. So the first time I went there, I charged. Oh, no, he's, uh, he's selling it. I charged uh, a lot of money, and I had like did like fifteen clients and for the first day, and another twelve the next day. Oh, wow. So I've been going back there ever since, every three months, oh. to do clients. I have a big clientele there, there, and then uh, I'm like, oh, this is interesting, an interesting base. Yeah. And then I had clients in Miami because I have my salon in Miami, so I would go back to Miami. So then I'm doing Palm Beach, and then I'm doing these different places that I'm building up this, you know, this pop up, pop in, as I call it. We call it a pop in, so that people can come and just have a consultation. They can pop in, get a consultation. Free of charge, no no need to get a haircut. Just if they want a consultation, they can pop in. So we're calling that. And then now we're we've also expanded it to a hotel suite where we're bringing other brands in. So it's a little bit more of an experience for That's people come so just cool. cannot just get their hair done. They can, like you know they can purchase something. They get the makeup done. I saw the, the one browse. was like Liz Shag Salon and Face. She has a hotel that's very close to her salon. So she it's a small hotel. So it's like an event space and a hotel. Oh, so she she's a good friend of Janet that that was good they grew up together so she you know and she's a hairdresser and she's a very good hairdresser and knows she does a lot of bunch of celebrities who worked in the city and you know so her her taste is very good so and Hudson Valley is very popular now so That's we decided we right to bring <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah so we decided to bring a, a pop up up there and and bring other brands in and do something uh, like that there and then where I'm. I was just in St. Regis in Mexico City, and we're looking to do another one there. And we worked with the hotel. And the suite. Have you done LA so, yet? Yeah, Are but you LA, doing that I again? was. Yeah, LA. I, I I lived there for three years until yeah. last December. So LA, I have a few clients, but it was mostly through the pandemic that we were there. So everything was shut down. Okay. And I didn't really do. Uh, you know, I didn't. wasn't that connected in LA as well. I thought I was going to be in the end, but we're looking to come back there again. When you do, let us know because we'll we'll come out and we'll we'll tell our clients yeah, to please. go. We're looking to do something there, and I, you know, there's different locations that we can do there and choose. And I like to partner with the hotel because it's more upscale. It's easier. I know we do a portable sink, and depending on the room and yeah. depending on the hotel, how it's situated. So I normally need to check it out first and see. How, how it's set up and where the shower can work and where the bathroom and the sink and blah, 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 and the area and where there's another room to either do facials or do massages or to have other brands come in and showcase their work. And do this the is do. great. I love that, that whole collective. 
And then everyone, and then with the hotel, you're working with them to promote within either their residence, hopefully it's a residential hotel, and you've got their residents that live there, and also their guests, and they promote it, and it's good content for everyone. So everyone's happy with it, you know, creating content, and, and you test it out the first one, if it works, great, if it doesn't, then we change it around, or we move to another place, if it's not right, sometimes how do you get how, how do you get the like your location out? Do you have a website that you're like, the pop-up... So, so yeah. we could tell people, tell us the website. Yeah. So. Well, it's yeah, also the, the, very present on Instagram, your Instagram. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pushing it. I'm going to London tonight, actually. I'm oh, doing great. a pop-up in London uh, on Friday, the 13th, this Friday. And uh, it's my first time in London since I've been, not I've been back, but I haven't done any work there for many years. So I'm excited about that. Yes, you can see it on my website. There's okay. a like a look at locations and where I'm going to be and it's the date. We're, we're actually going to update the website in the next six months or so, but make it a little bit more obvious and a little different. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what we do and what I'm doing. And it's been really successful and fun and getting to know new people and a lot of my clients. And we're also uh, partnering with a networking program called TYB. And they are a networking uh, network program that different brands are they're, they're the platform so all my clients or my network for example uh, I'm going to ask them to join and they get they get compensated for the more participation they're in my brand then they'll be compensated either with tutorials or with you know an event they'll either get a free gift or they can come in and get a discount on the price or they get a blowout wow. or, you know there's a lot of things that we're putting together now in regards to that to create uh, our personalized program for my network. It's called Pepino Mondo. It'll be like Pepino World. Okay. And uh, we're, we're just getting, getting starting it and putting it together now. But it's, uh, it's very exciting and I think it's the next step of where we're going with the brand and when the career, we're looking to do products. You know, I've got, I, I launched a line of brushes last year and that's the first one with the brand. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on that we're working on right now that is quite exciting for the next level. Well, we were about to ask you what's next, but you just told us what's next. I think that's incredible that you're able to continually move with like each season of things you know what i mean because like a lot of artists would be stuck but you are just inventing your well, own path you, you've essentially kind of really problem solved what we were discussing before the salons not really being a viable business prospect anymore and you've 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 kind of forward you've moved forward from that that's well very i was i was lucky to see the potential on that years ago through my friend and then i started testing it out and then uh it, honestly, it's during COVID, it's kind of what saved me because I was still traveling around. I actually even drove back, back and forth from LA seven times. Sort of oh my God. Clients in between. Yeah. Oh and God. flying and flying. I have my kids in New York, so, you know, I needed to see my kids. But, um, but you know, I would, uh, you know, it's, it's the salon experience was, was changed. It's definitely changed now. Yeah. And you, there are people that really want salons and it's salon experience environment is wonderful. I, I love it. I love being in the salon with other people as well. But you've got to get creative now. And, you know, traveling. I like traveling. I've got lots of energy. I'm still running around all over the place. Well, <laughs> so, how old are your kids? You just said you have kids. You, don't you have a young child? I have a 18-year-old daughter who's going to be 18 on Thursday. Happy birthday. 
Thank you. Uh, 16-year-old, two boys, 16-year-olds, and 14, and I have an 18-month-old baby. Yeah, you have a baby. Congratulations. Yeah. You're like starting over as Papa again. Yeah. What is that like with a new baby and the pop-up and everything? We are very lucky. I'm very lucky with her. She's a sweetheart. She's a good baby. She's funny as hell, and she just makes me laugh all the time. And she doesn't – she's not hysterical. She's not a screamer. She's not a crier. She's, we're very lucky. Oh, that's fantastic. Did she sleep through early? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you all travel together, obviously. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I travel with that. Okay. No, unless I'm going somewhere that's, you know, you know, where I know I'm going to be there for a few days or whatever. Um, uh, but normally, no. I Do go, I, I like to, I like to go in, I go in, I work and I leave. No, I'm the same way. I like to leave my family where it is, and I get it done, and I leave, I come home. Less stress, less everything, less, you know, it's there to work, and that's it. But once in a while, if we're going somewhere special. It's so funny, because you were in Zoolander. You were actually acting in Zoolander, correct? I, I was. But, yeah, if you so, blink, but if you blink too fast, you will miss it. No, I saw it. You have to catch it. Oh, no, we don't you miss it. You have to catch it. My husband remembers you was, in it. My husband's like, oh, my God, you you, you would oh, well, definitely stand out in that I movie. Was with, I was with Kevin O'Coin. We we're doing his oh you know, touch-ups. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's funny because I bumped into the girl that was assisting me on that movie maybe a couple of years ago. I didn't know Adrienne who she was, and she's like, "I worked with you. I was we were in Zoolander together." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Are you kidding?" I'm like, "Oh my god." That's amazing. But my my kids are, are very excited about it. That they you know as they get older. They're like, it's my dad iconic, was in that. It's an iconic, iconic movie. And they oh, it's legendary. You know, it. It's yeah, such yeah. a great movie with the gas. He's like, <laughs> funny oh, my God. It's such a great movie. Are yeah. you still doing film and, and stuff? Like, do actors still call for you to come in? Or you just go and do haircuts occasionally no. for them? Yeah. I, oh, I do their hair. But not so much on camera. Not on camera. I You're do, not a set yeah. person. You're like, behi- You're like behi- there are people in life. Well, like a personal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do the hair. I mean, I go. Yeah, I'm. I'm more their personal. From from a standpoint as a new hairstylist coming out of a school, like you know, getting your license, like what would be the best advice for them? I know it's such a weird question because everyone has their own path. It's not a weird question. It's actually a really sad question because okay. uh, the education for kids these days is limited, but also their passion in wanting to do this is it's gone and it's ridiculous and all they want to do is be be an instagram superstar and be instagram blah 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 so they don't want to learn that they don't want to be learn the technique kids don't want to learn anymore they don't want to learn the hard way i agree with that and the hard way is the best way and you learn structure and technique and cutting hair and blow drying hair and you know everything that you need to know in technique should be up early, way up front. So that's the key to... Totally. It's knowing technique and stuff. Because you still learn, right? You're still constantly... Because I know I'm constantly learning techniques all the time. Yeah. I don't know everything. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. the thing is, is that in Australia, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a hairdresser, but you have to do four years. Yeah. Your apprenticeship. Is no, that no, right? I, yeah. Australia, Australia, Australia and England are probably the best... Uh, and France too, but I think Australia, England number one in their technique and their education is very good. Australia is very good. France, I believe, is very good. 
I mean, the U.S. is ridiculous in their apprenticeships and their... their they don't their, have it. It's non-existent. They, they do have it. They do have it. But you have to have a license. You have to get, you know, get your license and stuff. But it's so basic, unless you go into a very good upscale salon. We had a big training program. My brother had a massive training program. I had training programs for my assistants and structured in... Had Vida, Vidal, they all have... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vidal Sassoon is one of the best ones. Yeah, top ones. It just got dated and needed to upgrade and stuff. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're, it's important to uh, training is very important and education, and 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 people get successful without it these days. Yeah, and from the makeup side of it, what you know, really for me, it's the number of students and the number of schools Saturated. that they're it's pushing yeah. out. This the the, right. the industry cannot. Handle maintain it. or handle yeah. that number of people coming out and they're they're literally coming out like you said i'm not saying untrained but it's so quick and yeah. you know um that the the whole structure of the training is not set up to they give want them instant gratification they need right. to actually practice those skills and learn right. those skills and you are right they don't want to learn the hard stuff behind it they, they don't, don't want to learn like the kids from don't. makeup side they don't want to learn how to work no. a color from primary no. colors how do no. you make a good foundation yeah. color yeah. for a, they just yeah. want to get the oh well this yeah. is the latest foundation we'll use that one and then you have all the blood dry bars and all the uh what do you call it the app oh uh the glam squad glam, glam squad. squad and they're taking yeah. these kids they're taking these kids out of school Right out of school, they had no education whatsoever, and they're putting them on clients. And there's, they, they yes, yeah, someone can go and get their hair washed and have a, their hair washed and have, have someone blow it out, but the work is terrible. It's no structure in it whatsoever. And, well, because they're uh, also not paying anything to those kids. No, exactly. That's they're right. They're not paying like the kids. They're giving them like thirty, forty dollars to go yeah, out yeah. to someone's house and do a blowout. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not going to get skilled. Hair well, no, that's right, and 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 kids feel great because they're doing clients and they're part of this. They think you know, they're the a part thing. of new, yeah. yeah, something new, and that's really silly. But uh, so the the infrastructure and salons are really having. I, I have a lot of friends that own salons, and they have they can't get staff. They can't get not they can't get staff. They can't get and they can't get assistants because assistants don't want to work in the salon. They want to go leave school and go be freelance. I feel like freelance though. There's like once magazines kind of were like go, we're going extinct with it. It basically yeah. it limits uh, freelance. I think it limits that area of yeah. freelance that people yeah. are like that, especially the paid big paid jobs. Yeah. There's yeah. like none of that anymore. So it's it's. Right. I think it's yeah. so weird. It's all diluted. Everything's yes. diluted right Yes, now. Diluted. it's so strange. And the, and the key people that deserve to be paid more money and a lot of a lot of artists that are incredible artists these days, friends of mine, that are not working because they are stuck in there waiting for a job to come in and the money's not good enough so the agents are not taking it but the young kids are taking it from some other agency. So it's a tough time. It's a, it's a tough time for, for professionals that have been, you know, very successful. Been here for a while, yeah. Yeah, and, and are the best. I mean, are the, you know, have There's a skill. reason why they're the best. The reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the, it's really special to watch like a person like you or like... Kevin Aquan, you know, and you know, it's Sam Fines. It's it's just so special to watch that. Yeah. And when I see people coming out of school and they have no, they have no idea who these people are. Right. I'm like, right. what? Like, how yeah. do you not know who this person is? This yeah, because that's why not, you have this uh, like niche. This is why you can do this. Yeah, they don't have 
they don't have the uh, the mindset to look and do research of what's what and how who is yeah, what. Yeah, that's why I call it the for. fast food. Everything's quick. It's the same thing even with photographers. I mean, yeah. when yeah. you look at people like Annie Leibovitz and what she did, that yeah. she took photographs of you know John Lennon five hours before he passed away. Um, yeah. You know Richard. That these people are so iconic and now you've got everybody's a photographer on their iPhone and you know so it's affecting every part of the industry you it's know? very very complicated now with social media and iPhones on sets and people and, and going out and any celebrity going out they like they can't go out anywhere so you know LA's flat you go out you go out in LA and it's kind of you know Everyone's on their phone and hanging out and waiting it's for the celebrity to come in. It's like, why would they? Why would any celebrity want to go out to a club to be seen? They just get take photos photographed. nonstop. Yeah, it's like disgusting. So yeah, it's like know, a zoo. It's not, yeah, it's not not worth it. So I think that stuff. you know, just hearing all of this, and maybe this is me being idealistic, that this is going to have to reach critical mass, where maybe it just kind of like blows itself out. I'm this hoping whole social so. media. Frenzy has gone, to me, it's kind of reached its limit. I cannot I think see how it can I, go I don't think it's a, I don't think it's at the limit yet. I think it's too much money involved in it, too much business, too much big companies making money, uh, too much they're access. They're getting free advertising. They're getting free, yeah. pe everything's yeah. free. That's why yeah. all of like yeah. our big corporate love what's going on. Right. They don't have to right. pay advertising. Right. It's done. Right. right. So it's it's different time. You know, It'll, it might turn around. It's going to be. I think the AI thing is pretty interesting. I do state. too. Oh boy. <laughs> I think that's pretty freaking interesting. I do too. I'm excited to see what happens with that. We loved having you and I'm so glad we were able to, and I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. Yes, it was great. It was lovely chatting with you both. Thank cool. you so much for your time. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. We want to thank you all again for tuning in. Please be a part of this amazing community of makeup artists and hairstylists. Please give us a follow on Instagram. It's whatsyoureta.podcast. Also, you can follow me at Megan Hester, M-E-A-G-A-N-H-E-S-T-E-R, makeup, M-A-K-E-U-P, on Instagram. Make sure you follow. Viv, where can we follow you? You can find me at Viv Summers, B-I-V-S-O-M. E-R-S. And if you have an episode idea, guys, or a person that you would love to hear us interview, please reach out because we want to hear from you. Yes, we really, really do. And I just want to thank you all again for tuning in with us each week. We really love the atmosphere that we're creating, and we can only do that with you guys. Talk to you next week. <laughs>